We've been in the Lord's Prayer um, for, I think, five or six weeks now. And uh, if you haven't been with us, we have a podcast, Ethos Hillsborough Village. You can catch up there. I won't, I won't recap it all right now. Um, we're going to be there again this week. Uh, but before I get into Matthew chapter 6, just some, some stories to get us there to talk about or to get into what we're talking about today. Uh, this week, as we were preparing for teaching, um, one of the pastors sent me this survey that was done by Cigna, which is like a health insurance provider. Shout out, Cigna. Provided me health insurance for a little bit. And um, I don't know what your perception of Cigna is, but it helped me for a year. And um, they released a survey where they were asking about people's loneliness versus feeling like they were known and connected. And over 50%, no, right at 50% of people said that they either often or sometimes or always feel alone. Um, the same, around the same, it was like anywhere from 45 to 55% said uh, when they have conversations they don't feel connected with, they don't feel known and they feel lonely and alone. And, you know, it's easy to throw out stats like that, right? And, and go, man, that sounds like a lot. But just picture this room right now and picture if I went, hey, who feels alone? And the entire left side raised their hand or my right, your left side raised their hand and this side didn't. That would be pretty staggering, wouldn't it? It's like, how do like 7 billion people exist on earth? I think all of us at least want one friend. And somehow half of us have managed to say we either sometimes or always feel alone, which is insane. I was hanging out with my friend Dave, who's preaching at the cannery today at an airport, and he was telling me, um, this was several months ago, if not a year or two ago, time gets fuzzy as you get older. (laughs) I'm 28. Uh, I'm really getting up there. I can't remember. But uh, we were at the airport, and he was talking about this comedian uh, that wrote this book, and he was reading it. And he talked about how uh, he was talking to this one girl and they were texting back and forth and then all of a sudden she just completely ghosted him, just went AWOL, just disappeared. And he started talking to the crowd and everyone's laughing at his little stand-up bit. But then he starts getting real. He's like, how is it that we have 7 billion people in this world and yet all of us are hungry for, for relationship but we feel alone? And he said that the crowd went from laughing at his stand-up bit to actually like feeling him, giving them those church mmms that I referenced earlier. Like they started feeling him because everyone related on some level. Like have you ever felt like you're surrounded by a lot of people and yet somehow you feel a little lonely? Like you're like, wait, this math doesn't quite add up. Uh, another thing that Dave told me, I have a lot of Dave stories. Dave's a good friend of mine. His dad's been a pastor for like four decades. And he asked his dad, what's, a, what's one of your main challenges as a pastor? And he didn't know what to expect. But his dad said, one of the main challenges is in the past 10 years, it seems like people have forgotten how to have friends. And I'm having to like teach friendship. And I didn't expect that. I didn't see that coming. And I don't know if you relate to that. Have you ever come to a church gathering for a year or two and be like, I still somehow, like, I feel lonely. Like, I relate to this. I moved to Nashville eight years ago, freshman at Belmont, like, extrovert to the T, just a bunch of new people, and I'm just happy, right? I don't even gotta know them. I'm just like, there's people everywhere. This is amazing. And they're not going anywhere, and it was beautiful. And and for a little bit, that lasted. That extrovert high lasted. But I remember my sophomore year calling my mom because, you know, I'm not an idiot, so I called my mom and was like, hey, I feel really alone. Like I got all these people that I say, hey to everyone's like, what's up, Jay? What's up, homie? They didn't ever say that to me. They just said, what's up, Josh? How are you? How's class? <laughs> and uh, I was like, it's fine. And so I told mom, I was like, you know, it's weird. I know a lot of people. I'm connected with a lot of people. Belmont is like the most positive vibe place ever. Everyone's just happy and smiley and playing guitar at midnight on the grass. And it's weird. And <laughs> But I was like, mom, sometimes I just, I feel alone. I feel like everyone knows me, but no one knows me, right? Has anyone ever, have you ever connected with that? And today we're talking about, we're gonna continue in this Lord's Prayer, which is where we've been, but we're gonna hone in on a specific thing where when Jesus says this prayer, he assumes something in this prayer. There's some language he uses that's making an assumption. 
He never says, uh, hey, be a good community in this prayer. But he does use language that points to the understanding that if you follow Jesus, you're in one. You're in a community. Yet so often it doesn't feel like that. So if you're here today and you're new to Nashville or you're new here and you're feeling the just uncomfortable nature of trying to find community, I hope that today can provide some insight. I'm definitely not claiming this is about to be a fix-all, all right? Finding community takes time. There's a lot of nuance, but we're gonna talk about some things. But if you're here today and you have community, maybe think about this through the lens of discipleship. And you got people all around you that maybe don't feel as locked in as you are. You got people around you that don't feel as settled into this city as you do. And, and what might they be feeling? And so um, I'm gonna read this prayer over us. Uh, then I'll pray and then we'll dig in. All right, we'll talk about community a little bit, okay? Um, so you can look at the screen. I'm gonna read it out of my Bible so you know it came from there. Um, <laughs> stupid. All right. <laughs> it did not land at the nine either. I tried it and it, it was the same thing. All right. Thought you guys would be nicer. All right, our Father. All right, let's read the prayer. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm gonna pray over us. God, I just, I love you. And in fact, I'm just gonna give us like 15 to 20 seconds if you haven't talked to God yet, just to briefly check in with him on whatever way that looks like for you. But just acknowledge God's presence and pray for whatever's on your heart. Bless you. It's okay to sneeze during prayer. Father, I know that that short amount of time isn't nearly enough to allow people to really dig into your presence and talk to you, but I do pray, God, that would you give us a, a special anointing today of your spirit? And for those that feel far away from you, like they haven't talked to you in a million years, God, will you just show them your nearness? Uh, God, for those that come in hurt, wounded, uh, thank you for seeing them and being attentive. May they feel your love today, um, your nearness, your closeness, your care. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us, Lord. Thank you for this gathering. Uh, all these people that are here, it's so cool. And Father, I can't imagine just what you're doing in each life, the plans that you have. God, will you, uh, as we talk about community, um, what a vague word. <laughs> like, it means a million different things. And God, will you just help us to get a grip on community today in whatever way you see fit? Um, Speak to us, Lord. Help us to have ears to hear. And hearts that obey you when we hear you speak. Um, yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, random tangent real quick. Obedience, like when I said hearts that obey you, obedience is sometimes um, like a command, like go and do something. But also sometimes obedience can be indicative or identity-based. So whenever I say like, God, will you give us hearts that obey you? Sometimes it's, hey, make disciples. Hey, like, walk away from that sin life, walk away, whatever. But sometimes obedience is as simple as, hey, God calls you a son or daughter and you're not, you're not embracing that that's how he sees you. You think you're his employee. You need to walk in obedience as a son or a daughter of the king and realize how much he loves you. That's what the word says. Does that make sense? I don't know. Hopefully, probably, I hope it's put to somebody. I just feel like obedience, we always think, oh, what do I have to do? But sometimes we have to sit and absorb in who God has called us to be, what he names us as co-heirs, as children of, 
of the Holy Father. So anyway, all right, um, let's talk about community. So when Jesus is giving us this prayer, this Lord's Prayer, whether you've heard this prayer or not, if you've watched any mafia movies, they almost always pray this prayer at some church before they go and do what mafia people do. And uh, it says, our Father in heaven. And Jesus says, hey, when you pray, go to your room by yourself and pray, right? He says, shut the door and your Father who sees you in secret. So it's important that we remember this prayer is given to us to be prayed individually, right? When you pray, go to a room, shut the door where only your Father sees you. And yet, what's the first word of this prayer? What is it? Our. I've been working all morning on not saying our, because I think that's probably super country. So I think our is more like two syllables almost. So our, our father, right? So he goes, when you're in your private place, when no one can see you, no one's around you, you're not praying with other people, pray this way, our father. And so immediately, I mean, that first word, how quickly did you skip over the first word? (laughs) Like, okay, our father who art in heaven, you start thinking about God and you and how you relate. But the first word implies something, right? Jesus is making an assumption that when you follow Jesus, when you're in the family of God, you are in the family of God, right? Like when my sister was three years old, I was being born in a hospital. And when I came out, my sister wasn't going, all right, now what's it mean to be in a family? What's it mean to relate to this new child that I'm a sister of, right? She was probably thinking like, mom, feed me. What are you doing? what's happening right now, right? It's like, she wasn't contemplating that. Yet the reality was, I was her brother. And we didn't sit there in dialogue at a young age, what does it mean to be siblings? But we did spend the rest of our lives, and we still are, because we're both alive, figuring out what it means to be a family, right? It's like, we don't really choose to be in a family. We just kind of show up one day and have a conscience, and then we're like, okay, I guess this is my family. But we spend our lives figuring out how to function as a family, and I don't know if you know this or not, but if you believe in Jesus, like you are in the family of God. And if you don't, you're invited to be in the family of God. So the question is not if we all came here, if a community is available to us. The truth is we have a family. It's the family of God. The question is actually, how are we gonna function as a family? What type of family members will we be? And so if you come here in search of community, I wanna talk through some things that I think Jesus has for us, some of the barriers that can get in the way of good community, uh, some of the things that might help us step into it and just kind of a bigger picture of what Jesus has for us in community, okay? So if you ever found yourself hungry for community um, but struggling to get there, maybe you'll identify with some of these barriers. But I wanna talk about the barriers of, of digging into community. It's the next slide, right, barriers. Boom, let's go to the first one. So the first barrier of community, let's see if you resonate with this. Go for it. I have it in my notes, but I'm waiting for the, like the, the cue. Boom, there it is, all right. So the first barrier is this kind of individualistic culture we live in, right? So for a long time, cultures uh, lived in kind of a collectivist mindset. The majority kind of ruled in a sense, like the, whatever the community needed ruled over what the individual needed. Does that make sense? And to be clear, I'm not painting some kind of utopian life, all right? There's good and bad in everything always because we're humans and we're broken. But to be clear, we now live in more of an individualistic, right? Maybe even like radically individualistic culture where it goes, my needs, my desires matter before the collective, right? Does that make sense? So like maybe when you come to church, uh, this is not like an accusation or I'm not trying to like shame you, but maybe when you come to church, your first question isn't about what's this community doing? What are the community values here? Maybe you go, is the worship or the drums a little loud today? And like, they were, yeah, but we were rocking out. It was awesome. So, you know, like, or, or was the preacher funny? 
Not really, right? It's like, you figure that out. But have you ever shown up to a place and went, what are my needs and desires in this place first, right? That's kind of a cultural thing. But when you think about living in community, like if you think about a marriage, if it functions only off of the, hey, first of all, what are my needs and desires? If you've ever tried that method, how long did that last you, right? Before things kind of blew up in your face, right? It's not a very good strategy, but this is kind of a cultural thing that we tend to think of our own desires, our own needs first. Now, let's, let's make sure we invite nuance into this conversation. It's important that we're aware of our health and our needs. I am not saying forsake those things. I'm just highlighting this cultural tendency to go, me first, my desires, my needs, okay? Does that make sense? No one nodded, but yes, it does. All right, so secondly, uh, the second thing, FOMO, all right? FOMO is so real. It was a funny hashtag for a season, but now the more I think about it, I'm like, no, like FOMO is 100% a real thing that can be a barrier to community. This, this actual fear of missing out, like it's kind of funny, but it's also 100% true, right? It's like, have you ever like been, walk, been friends with someone that was dating someone and it was like a perfect fit, but they were like, I don't know, but what if? You're like, what if what? You are getting so, you're so fortunate right now. I don't know what you think's coming, but this is good. Where is this weird cloud that makes a question mark that you're just like, let's looming over your head. Like, what do you think you're missing, right? Have you ever like watched someone that's like, what are you waiting for? It's right in front of you, right? You ever like been with friends on a Thursday night and like seeing the story of what other friends are doing and you're like, oh, they're having more fun than me, right? And it's like, okay, this community is done, right? Uh, have you ever experienced like FOMO like that? Isn't that such a real thing? Like you ever went to a house church with a FOMO mentality? We'll see how this goes. This works until something more awesome happens, or I think something more awesome could be happening, then I'm out, right? It's like, what, what is this? Uh, you ever have one of those friends, it's like, uh, hey, you wanna hang out that Thursday night? This is kind of what we're doing. They're like, maybe, and you know what's happening. If they hang out with you, it's because they did not find something cooler. And if they don't hang out with you, it's because they found something cooler. And you're like, insulted, either way, it's great. All right, see if there's there or not, whatever, you hate me, right? So FOMO is so real. This question of, is there something better? I've never, I feel like in culture, we're always battling this weird question mark over here. It's just air. But sometimes the thought of what could be is just better than what is. And so we just keep chasing the what could be and never actually realize what is, right? Does that make sense? All right, uh, number three, busyness. We're just a busy people. I don't know if we're actually busy all the time or not, but doesn't it feel like we are? It's like, man, you're awesome. Man, you're awesome. We should hang out. We should hang out. You free next year? <laughs> no, I got coffee. <laughs> I got coffee with somebody else, <laughs> so I'm not. But 2022, hit me up. We'll be friends. You know, have you ever felt that, like the culture of like busyness? You ever talk to someone and be like, hey, how are you? Man, I'm tired. Busy with what? I honestly, I don't I, I don't know, but I am. It's happening, right? And we're just kind of a busy culture, whether we are or not. Like whether our calendar is legitimately full, we feel full. And sometimes that can feel like barriers to actually getting into community. Like one of my love languages, that's not actually a love language, but if there was a sixth love language, it would be spontaneous hangouts. I didn't plan it. It's not in my calendar. It just happened upon me. And look at us all having a good old time, Right? It's impossible nowadays. And when it happens, I just like, I could just cry tears of joy. But most of the time it's like, no, I got to pencil you in for an hour over coffee. And you're right, it's not going to be that fun, but it's all I got. <laughs> it's all I got. We're busy. We're too busy. All right, that's a, that's a barrier. Uh, number four, idealism. Just the idea of stuff. Movies, songs, things just give us good feelings 
and we want those good feelings to translate into real life. We're like, look, I don't know what I'm gonna feel or what it feels like, but I'm waiting on that feeling. You're like, describe the feeling to me. I can't describe it, but I gotta feel it for it to make sense. It kills me in dating. What do you want to feel? I don't know. Man, that's tough, isn't it? Like, what is this thing? I'll feel it. It's kind of, it reminds me like when I was like, man, I just want to feel God. And someone was like, what do you mean feel God? And I was like, whoa, I don't know what I mean. You know, it's like, whoa. But sometimes we can get kind of trapped in this idealistic way of thinking. Like, oh, the friend group, will, it'll feel like this, or that relationship will feel like this. Until one day I got married and realized that you can cultivate butterflies. I didn't know that. You could like do stuff for each other, like pray for each other, love each other, live together, and then you get more and more butterflies. I always thought that she had to walk into the room, a random breeze out of nowhere, even though we were inside, had to blow her hair. She had to have a little flower in there, and I'd be like, that's her. <laughs> She'd look at me and be like, I love you, and I'd be like, I'm not sure yet, but let's talk about it, you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, that's not how it went. In fact, one of the main tension points in my dating life was like, hey, I felt butterflies, but not all the time. Like, and I was just attached to this idealistic way of thinking. No one ever told me it goes that way. No healthy functioning marriage said it's all about how you feel. No one's ever said that, but I felt that, right? Have you ever experienced that? You just wanted to feel certain ways and it's made us impatient. We don't realize what can be cultivated with commitment and time spent, right? We're just waiting on feelings. So we step in that house church or in that church or with this friend group on the quad at Belmont or wherever else. Does it feel right? And so we're not sold and we just kind of play our options, right? This can be so real. We, we fall in love with idealism. We have kind of an idol there. Um, flip page. All right. Um, and then fifth, fifthly, no, fifth, pain. Pain. So some of you sit here and go, no, I'm, I, those four didn't get me. I, they, they didn't touch me. Like, I understand it's about the collective. Uh, I understand that there might be better things out there, but if you stick around here, it's great. I, I've cleared out my calendar. I'm committed. All these things, I've actually kind of put my neck out there over and over again. I was in a house church for a year, and I was in, but no one else was. Or I tried to get on this friend group and, and be selfless, but it just, in the end, they didn't really want me there. Or I was really vulnerable and was like really honest with them and they just, they didn't really respect it. They didn't care, right? So some of us are bringing in baggage where we're just like, are we really about to talk about community again? And you started to slip into the belief that goes, maybe community is for like 80% of people, but I'm part of the 20%. I just, I just kind of missed that. That boat sailed on me and I, I won't find it again. And so some of you just bring in pain into this conversation going like, I don't think community works for me. Maybe it works for everybody Else. And so all of these can be barriers, but the truth is that Jesus has a bigger and more beautiful picture that these barriers won't overcome. So in the Lord's Prayer, can we go back to the Lord's Prayer slide? Um, he's gonna give us some insights that if you were here um, over the summer, I talked about this. In, in the meta narrative of scripture, so often God demonstrates his character and truths about who he is through regular people. It's like the power of the gospel. Jesus could have done a solo mission, but he comes here and calls 12 disciples, right? And he empowers them. And so often God is using other people to demonstrate who he really is. He's already doing some things, but we see that God is doing some things through his people doing things. That's how community is actually supposed to function. When it says, give us this day our daily bread. Think about the moment where Jesus, he multiplies fish and loaves for thousands of people. But the loaves and the fish, they don't just fall into the laps of the people magically. They could have but the disciples take the loaves and the fish and they pass them out, right? God does this miracle amongst the people, but it goes through the hands of God's people. Does that make sense? Like I think about a couple years ago where I'm doing the thing where I say, does that make sense? And I don't even wait for a response. Does that make sense? Okay, moving on. Does it make sense? 
Two years ago, I had a super swollen, so I was going to physical therapy and chiropractor at the same time, doing all this work, and it was just costing me money, man. I was part-time, it was just ugh, spending money on things I didn't want to spend money on, and uh, just to get my levator to stop being so swollen, and uh, levator reminds me of Darth Vader. I just need to say that out loud, but it's just a muscle on my back. And I was in this place where I didn't know money, where money was going to come from, and someone donated anonymously. I still have no idea. If it was you, you have no idea. And someone just gave me money out of nowhere, just showed up online. I have no idea how it works, but it just came into my paycheck. And I was like, oh my goodness, the timing of that was unreal. There was this moment where God saw me, saw what was going on, provided daily bread, but it came through the hands of someone else. Does that that make sense? When he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, it's like, have you ever done something so bad and you couldn't even come up with the courage to confess it? You got found out, but you were met with grace. And in that, you got a picture of like God's forgiveness. So I think of moments in my life where there was sin that I was never about to bring to the light. But because of something or another, people found out. And I was met with grace and given insight on just the depth of forgiveness that's first and foremost available in our Father. Right? But it came through people. It says, deliver us from evil. Not only does temptation, but deliver us from evil. I heard a story this week about a woman who's married and, and she was being abused and some people in our house church found out about it and they confronted the husband and said, you can't raise your hands and worship here and then harm your wife at home. That doesn't work. And they walked her out of the household and they delivered her. And it's like, who delivered her? Well, God did. Like God was seeing it and was attentive, but it came through the hands of people. It's like, that's how we're supposed to function. Demonstrating the character, the care, the intentionality, the love, the grace of God to each other. That's how the family's supposed to function. And I don't wanna like talk about it in some idealistic way that feels far-fetched. I wanna give us some, some potential things that might help us break through in this. And this applies, we're gonna talk about house churches in a little bit. We're launching those today or signups today. But this just applies, that community word all week, I've been wrestling with it. Like it's so vague. Like what do I mean by community? So just think of any group of people that love God that you spend time with and wanna go deeper with, okay? That's the community I'm talking about. So how do we start to to reflect and demonstrate the community that Jesus intended for us, all right? So here's some, I labeled it breakthroughs. I don't know, I guess that's a good word for it. So how do we start living into this? Um, First, we have to embrace our shared identity. Just like how we view people really affects how we treat people, right? Like just how we view someone affects how we talk to them, how we treat them, how we walk with them. And so understanding that we are in a family, that God is our father. He has many children and those are our brothers and sisters. And to understand that when we come in here, like no one, when I ask, hey, what do you wanna find out? What do you wanna find in a church? Everyone's like, man, I want that just cold dead religion where I don't connect with anybody and I feel like I'm being overlooked. That just, that's what my heart's been aching for in this season. No one's doing that. And it starts with us just understanding how we see each other. Hey, you're not in here with strangers. You know, like this, these are your brothers and sisters. When you see people and they're sitting by themselves, well, go talk to them, go sit with them. That's your brother, that's your sister. So it starts with a shared identity. Just asking God, will you transform how I see your family? And specifically in my community, help me to just transform how I see them. Secondly, shared proximity. A fancy way of saying spend time together, just literal time spent together. There was a study done that talked about how 10 years ago, highly devoted followers of Jesus, people that would say, I'm a highly devoted follower of Jesus, had two to three weekly touch points with the Christ-centered community. 
that ended up being 115 to 100, 100, 115 to 150 times per year people were connecting with a Christ-centered community, okay? Now, someone who would regard themselves as a highly devoted follower of Jesus would say they have two touch points per month with the Christ-centered community. What that means is nowadays, on average, it takes devoted followers of Jesus five years to be around other people that love Jesus. I don't know how to word it. And it would have taken a year, a long time ago. Does that make sense? (laughs) I didn't know how to word the sentence. So five years for us to do now, what would have taken a year 10 years ago. Good, (laughs) I still don't even know if I said it right. But the point being, we live in a culture that we can be anywhere at any time via airplane, via car, via phone. And it turns out that being anywhere at any time doesn't always lead us somewhere, right? It actually can kind of leave us nowhere all the time. (laughs) We don't spend as much time together. And one of the ways we will start to thrive, to grow in this this, uh, community that Jesus intended is for us just to be together more, identifying that community and spending more literal time there, not letting things like FOMO take us away from those places, all right? So shared proximity. Number three, not just proximity, but shared vulnerability. Not just being together, just to be together and and spend a lot of time together, that will help, that will bear fruit, but also to be vulnerable with one another, to kind of get out of that hamster wheel of, have you watched the latest episode of fill in the blank? Or man, college football just started back and I am very excited about that, but we can talk about other things, right? We don't have to just stay in this realm. If you remember our community conversation over the summer, that the patterns of purpose. We talked about purpose and play. Like, and a lot of times we kind of stay in the play category. We know how to have fun together, but can we go deep? And I think one of the important parts that kind of sets the community of God apart is we know how to go deep together. We know how to go, no, you know what? Like, the game was great. The TV show was great. My heart is broken. Here's what's going on. Or I'm really struggling here. Or, I'm really discouraged here. But that's how the community of Jesus takes another step, is being vulnerable with one another. And that kind of leads into this, this fourth one of shared empathy. There's a difference in feeling sorry for someone and feeling sorry with someone. But for us to embrace the inconvenience of loving other people, and of course inconvenience isn't like a very good word to use there, but I do feel that our culture, that I over the we thing, I found it in my own dark, gross heart. So maybe it's just me, I'll just embarrass myself. But has someone ever been like, man, I'm really hurting here? And you're like, okay, tell me what's wrong. I'm really sorry. I've got to go, right? It's like, I've just found, no, okay, it was just me. So please show me grace. Um, Sweaty. Um, But to go, man, I'm in it with you. Thick or thin, hell or high water, I got you. When you're hurting, I'm hurting. I'm sitting with you in that. To go, I'm not, we're not just gonna be here. Have you ever been in a circle where people have been like, hey, this has really been hurting my heart. And you're like, thanks for sharing. Okay, next. And everyone, and like, I'm just so uncomfortable, like, are we good? That was like heavy. We on to the net? Okay, I have three unspoken. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. You know, it's like, I don't even know how to like go deep here because this is weird. But for us to be a community that goes, wait, let's go deep together. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. Let's walk through this together. Like I shared empathy. And then lastly, the Holy Spirit. I think as I was dealing with the vagueness of this word community, is this gonna be in house churches? Is this gonna be a school? Where is this gonna take place at? In the workplace, at home, with neighbors? I don't know. I don't know. And I think it left me going, oh, we just need to be a people that know how to go, God, In this season of my life, whether that's for the next two weeks or 20 years, where's the community you're calling me to? Maybe I'm already in one. How do I go deeper there? But if I'm not, where where are you leading me? Holy Spirit, will you help me? Help me dream. What are the names? Who are the people you want me to spend more time with? And just asking God. And if you already find like you have a community, God, what are you inviting us into? Give us like holy imaginations 
Like help us to see the blank slate before us and that you're just like longing just to paint a unique picture for our community. But inviting God in on this conversation, if you don't have community and you're looking for it, invite God in on it. If you have community, but you don't know if you should switch communities or stay there, redefine it, whatever. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? In the process of Holy Spirit and community, discerning what that can look like. But overall, no matter what, if we're gonna be a people, if you are longing to be in a community, you wanna see a flourishing community, it's gonna take this collective buy-in that we will be contributors and not consumers. We're gonna get to consume some good stuff. We're gonna get some good stuff out of community. But if all of us come into the community with a posture of what's this gonna do for me, the longevity of that, it's not looking too hot, right? So for us to come in going, hey God, what, what can I do to love other people in this community? For us to come in going, man, we live in a culture that goes, man, any item you want, 24 hours, no additional cost on your shipping. Any show you want, there's 24 new episodes on 70 different platforms, like whatever you want, right? For us to go, hey, that's where culture stops in my mind, and I'm going to be a contributor. I'm not going to go, what can you give me, but what can I give you? How can I pray for you? How can I listen before I speak? How can I serve you? How can we have fun? How can I help you have fun? Like, how do you get loved? How can I show you love? But us coming in going, how do I help you? How do I love you? And the fun part about kingdom life, Jesus is like, hey, if you come and die, you will live. You lay down your life, you'll gain it. It's this upside down kingdom. Our health, our being loved is not threatened when we live selflessly, okay? When we lay our life down, we are not being threatened, Whatever God calls us into, green pastures, abundant life, so we can safely lay our lives down for the sake of community. So wherever you're at, whether you're going, man, I'm like a freshman, I'm looking for a community, let's do it, I'm new to Nashville, or I've been here for a long time, whatever it is, to go, God, what are you inviting me into in this season in community? But come into it, ready to contribute, ready to give of your life. So um, we're about to transition, and I want to tell you about a few things um, as we do that. So first of all, if you don't know Jesus and you're here, um, please keep coming back and just know that today we are starting house church signups. And so house churches is one of the main things our church does. You will not hear about a lot of programs here. One of the things you will always hear about is house church. God is just doing some cool things in our living rooms across the city. I think our culture is just really receptive to going into homes and talking about the Lord and, and serving our city and our neighborhoods. If you're not in a house church and you don't even believe in God, get in a house church. I'm not asking you to serve or, or to sign up for an organization or a country club. These are real people doing real life stuff and you are more than welcome here. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus and you don't have a community, house church may be a great place to start. But I also wanna say, we believe in house church. We believe that small groups meeting across the city can be so powerful, can lead to best friendships, can lead to the blessings of our city. But if you go, I'm not really looking for a house church. I'm already in a community and I'm locked in. Take this time over communion to just go, God, what do you have for us here? Holy Spirit, what are you saying? And what am I gonna do about it, okay? So um, all that to be said, after this gathering, there's donuts and all this stuff out there. And we have this cool little web app. And if you're not in a community, we have people in green shirts that say hello on them. And they're house church leaders and they're awesome. But we're gonna invite you to sign up for house churches. But regardless, let's take the next few minutes over communion just to ask God, God, what do you have for me? What are you saying? If I don't have a community, God, will you help me find one, whether it's through house church or something else? But if you already have a community, God, what are you doing in my community? How can I serve my community, the small group I'm in? Um, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna stand together in about 30 seconds, and we're gonna go grab communion. And I'm gonna invite you to do this either on your own or with someone you came with, it's whatever you're comfortable doing. I always say this, make this your living room, circle up your chairs, do whatever you want. But just simply share either with the Lord or with someone you're with 
What, do I, what did I hear today? What do I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me? And then what's something I can do about it? Like, what's maybe something I'll do this week, all right? And don't overthink it. It can be very simple. Um, and then we'll worship. So we'll do this over communion. You can take communion with the people you're with or on your own, whatever you'd like, all right? So let's go ahead and stand up. And we have communion tables in all four corners of the room. So you can go to the front or back, um, but exit towards the middle. And then head to one of the corners, grab communion. And then if you want to circle up shares and just share, hey, what'd you get out of this? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Or if you want to do that on your own, that's great. Dream together. Share together.